0: Hello, and welcome to Make It Clear, a conversational podcast about all things related to water and wastewater. I'm your host, Angela Bounds, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Rapp. In each episode, we'll tackle a relevant topic with facts and expert opinions and make things clear. Hello, and welcome back. Today, we're really focused on Earth Day. So Earth Day falls this Friday. What's the date this Friday, Sean?
1: Oh, heavens. Now you're going to put me on the spot. I know. (laughs) So this Friday is the 22nd.
0: Yeah. April 22nd is Earth Day. And so we really wanted to talk about Earth Day. The theme this year is invest in the planet. And we've asked Mike Saunders to join us. Hi, Mike. Hi, Angela. If you've been listening to us for a while, you've heard Mike come in and talk with us on a number of Topic. So today we're really going to talk about the planet. To us, investment is investing in the planet means caring about what's happening around the world. For us, we are really focused on water. I mean, water and air are necessary for all life forms, right? Without without water and air, you can't humans won't survive. Food won't survive. Animals won't survive. Everything we know as a planet won't live, so welcome, Mike. Thank you so, what does Earth Day and their theme this year? What does it mean to you?
2: Well, I almost have to break it into like two categories. I think on a personal level, you know obviously it's the environment around you, but i you know I think as I've gotten older and hopefully a little wiser that that sample size gets bigger, and you can see the changes right. more and more and i you know I think if you'd ask me the question at age 20, it probably wouldn't have resonated the same. But now that I'm a little bit older, well, a lot Mm -hmm. older, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the changes are just noticeable. I mean, I I think back to things that I did as a kid that have changed Mm -hmm. so much. I mean, fishing and the water levels and temperatures and
3: Mm -hmm.
2: snow and all those things have just changed so much that you know, I don't, I, as I look forward, I, I certainly want, you know, my kids and their kids, you know, not to have the same, see the same differences and and hopefully we see things getting better. So that's kind of on a personal, Mm -hmm. and then on the professional side, it's, you know, I think, you know, working at Orenco, it's, it's one of the things that I I hope I feel and, and people around me is just the passion for water and in the environment. And I think it's, you know, the driving force, you want to, you want to be part of that trend to make things better. And, Right. So, yeah, just the, the whole concept of Earth Day brings out a lot of different thoughts, I think, when you really sit down and think about it.
0: Yeah, I've always said that water is the reason we do everything, mm-hmm. right? It's the reason why we treat wastewater. It's the reason why you should care about what happens to your wastewater and how it's treated. It's all to protect that water, the mm-hmm. groundwater, rivers, streams, lakes, all of it. So do you want to talk a little bit about the Clean Water Act?
2: Sure. Yeah, no, it's, you know, at the heart of this, I don't, you know, people hear it, but they don't really understand how really the Clean Water Act was right. was really actually derived from Earth Day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Earth Day dates back to uh, to 1970, I think, mm-hmm. and yeah, that think so. time period, and the Clean Water Act came about in 1972. Right. And it was actually Earth Day that drove regulation of things like water and air and all those things that we, you know, we depend on, and Clean Water Act was you know i i can't imagine you know today everybody's certainly aware of how divided we all are, trying to do the Clean Water Act today would be would be a problem even you know i just it's amazing that this document was produced in nineteen seventy two it was very thorough, right. very encompassing and it's mm-hmm. fully relevant today i mean mm-hmm. it's when you see any lawsuit that is specific to water quality. It's they're referencing the Clean Water Act and violating right. it. And, right. and really it's it regulates everything, at least in our industry, that we do to this day. And obviously there's been changes and in, in modifications and interpretation and everything else, mm-hmm. but it's still at the root of, of everything that, that we're doing.
0: Right. So the Clean Water Act went into place or was enacted in 1972. So let's talk a little bit about. How things have evolved to today, and what issues are still presenting themselves that we all wish would just go away
2: well it's I think it's kind of like anything right You put it on paper right. and it all sounds really good, but executing mm-hmm. it, you start to realize the shortfalls in what you're doing and right you know when the Clean Water Act was put in place, funding it wasn't really in place yet. I mean, in fact, I think it took more than a decade really to start creating state revolving funds with the purpose right. of actually funding the Clean Water Act.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, those have existed to this day. And, you know, obviously there's a huge need. I mean, when you start identifying problems or things that need to get built to satisfy the Clean Water Act and you provide funding, of course, then once you put funding in place, you know what money does? <laughs> money, I do. It doesn't, doesn't always steer things in the most appropriate and best way. And I, I guess if I had a concern today about where we're going is, is maybe the loss of of or the prudent way to use our money and get the most out of it towards the environment and like the checks
0: and balances yeah, that yeah. ensure that it's being used in the most yeah. judicious way possible.
2: And I, I find at least from professional level, I find myself kind of in a quandary at times because I I mean obviously we you know we benefit from from loans and grants that are made for projects and obviously they're necessary, but then I watch some of the projects go come in severely over over Mm overpriced, or go in a direction that I just know from my experience that that's not going to work long term or I've already seen Mm -hmm. you know examples where it hasn't worked and right and yet they it still happens and I think that's the disappointment right now is how do we balance that and
0: right how do we put some checks and balances in so that those things are not occurring
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I think a lot of the things that are happening today are sort of issues that we didn't think to address back in the 1970s and 80s, and we're sort of paying the bill for them now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably a lot of the issues that we're seeing that are becoming to the forefront. Mm -hmm. That if we had addressed those issues back when the Clean Water Act was more than, you know, we. Right. Initially, I think the Clean Water Act was passed as a feel good measure just because a lot of politicians felt that they could get a lot of traction out of it. But I think. As time has gone on, we've discovered that it actually is an important step, and I think that's why it took the states some time to catch up to the whole thing and to really stand behind it. And I think as time goes on, we're finding that it's much more of an important right endeavor for us to really care about water and Earth, right? right. The earth is in pollution and that kind of thing.
0: I think that a lot of times. As a society, we think that because we have the Clean Water Act and because a lot of us live in areas that provide sanitation services or we have wastewater systems in our backyards that work, we have this preconceived notion that everybody throughout the country has what we have. Right? Mm I have what my neighbor has, and that means that other communities must have it, too. But it's not necessarily the case like what we've seen in Alabama recently. I think it's really coming to light. I mean, it's something that we've seen through the entirety of of the life of the business, right? We've always Mm -hmm. gone in to help communities that needed wastewater services. But lately, there have been a lot that have come around and they're actually getting some press and some building awareness. You want to talk a little bit about that, Mike?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, actually, it's. I guess that's a real positive thing I've seen it lately. Is right. There's. It's amazing to me, and I. I don't know the n- exact numbers, but I want to say the last numbers I saw that there was. It was estimated that like six hundred thousand homes in the United States don't have proper sanitation or right. proper water supply. And again, I'm just mm-hmm. throwing that number out there. My memory could be off, <laughs> but it, it's. You know, it's kind of staggering to think that there's more than one. We're the wealthiest country in the world. And so I guess when you start thinking about all the good things we did and and the intent of that, I mean, we're it's all about, you know, protecting the environment around us. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why there's also an economic divide that happened. Right. Because these are largely communities that are economically disadvantaged. And that shouldn't be the case. And and it makes sense right. because, you know, let's face it, to build this build infrastructure is expensive and mm-hmm. requires People to file for grants and expertise, and and it's very unfortunate that maybe we've missed the boat on that and creating mechanisms to properly make sure everybody's everybody can receive the proper service and the proper environment around them.
0: Yeah, so that's one of the things we need to do, right? Make sure that we're building that in, so that everybody has the opportunity. So I think we all recognize that water water conservation. We only have so much. Water, right? So conserving it and protecting it is vitally important. What do we still need to do?
2: Well, yeah, water conservation is is happening and it's a good thing. I mean, now it's as, just simple stuff. I, i um, you know, it's just simple as putting changing out toilets. Mm-hmm. You know, a home, let's say you can save 13,000 gallons a year just by using different toilets.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Placing shower heads can be 2,700 gallons a year what's interesting is that on the wastewater side, that the reduction in water actually does impact wastewater too. And we haven't even really (laughs) given thoughts to that. The systems have not been evaluated for water conservation and how to manage that. I mean, an example is gravity sewer needs a certain amount of flow Mm -hmm. to make it work. And well, if you cut back flows through conservation by a substantial amount, it's going to cause other issues with the system. And yeah, and it's just it's, it's just a general thing. I I think I you know I was disappointed. I remember a few days ago I was looking at EPA website for some information, and it kind of occurred to me that we don't keep up with stuff. EPA a lot of EPA documents that are still posted on the site they date back to the seventies and eighties. Have never been updated. Right. Our design standards haven't been updated for. I mean, good example is sewer systems to this day are allowed to leak when they're brand new. That's acceptable, you know. Even even for our technology, the example would be people think we're new and innovative, and dates back to the early '80s. The the there's a design manual in Florida that's supposed to regulate our systems, 1984. <laughs> and the system, they, what they're regulating doesn't even exist anymore. I mean, yeah. I mean, in that form, I just think there's so much we can do to embrace water conservation, or embrace you know, the, the systems and make sure everything is up to, sp- up to speed and up to date and right. moving forward.
0: Right. So what about water reuse? We talk a lot about water reuse. What do you think we still need to do?
2: So, so water resource I think is alive and well with really big facilities. And again, this is an economic divide, I think is, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in a community that has golf courses and large users and you have you know, agencies that are willing to fund reuse tends to work pretty well. I f- find at our scale, we're missing the boat still a little bit as regulations and costs tend to get in the way of doing the right thing. Sometimes,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, an example would be I we, we get hit with all the all the time we get hit with developers that they want to do something different, and mm-hmm. then we research the regulations for whatever state they're in, and we say, well, here's what you would need to satisfy all the requirements, and some of them you know require disinfection which makes sense but then you got to put mm-hmm. a dye in there and you start looking at the system they'd have to put in and there's no conceivable way that that's going to happen at a smaller scale and right you know i kind of put this in the same category as i think we need some more universal standards and we really need to focus on you know reuse beyond the large users and and how do we effectively bring u- reuse down to a smaller scale and make it work mm mm-hmm. Again, in terms of the environment, obviously, you know, water supply is a huge, huge issue. And right. anybody watching the no- news, especially in the in California, Oregon, mm-hmm. Texas, there's so many states there now that are in trouble. Right. We need to address this now, not not ten years from now. So
0: what do you think that the EPA and the state agencies can do better to enhance wastewater going forward?
2: I just think You know, and even even in the infrastructure bill, you know they've set aside money for joining systems together and making them Mm -hmm. more centralized. And the fact is, throughout the United States, it's a little impractical in many areas to think that systems are going to connect. I just think we need to spend a lot more, still a lot more resource, a lot more time at a federal and state level Mm -hmm. on how you know how we evaluate small communities, get the right technologies in there and and again you know every community should have their water protected and should have a, a wastewater system to protect public right. health and you know just talking about it isn't enough we need to really put pencil to paper and figure out how we make it work and it's not just money it's it goes way beyond just per- throwing money at it
0: well it's like you and I were talking about before we started it's time energy and effort it's not just money you can't just throw money at a problem
2: no. No. And, and
0: think that it's going to go away. It right. takes effort. It takes a continual effort, too, because it's not just one project and it's not just one community. It's across the nation.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, once you have infrastructure, I mean, operations and maintenance mm-hmm. is so, so critical. And that's the other part of this is that we need to invest more money in making sure that operators are, are, are trained properly. Mm hmm. That there is a check and balance, that they're getting inspected regularly. And that is just so crit- critical to success as well, is that right. that we step up our, our game in that. I mean, you know, we hear it all the time is, well, my water rate's going up and I can't afford that. And then you look at what we're willing to pay for cell phone bills and for right. <laughs> TV. And yeah, the reality is, we should be paying more for water and wastewater. That's the, you know, going forward, it's more important than than what's on TV at night.
3: That's
0: so true. So, do you think that within state agencies or maybe society as a whole, do you think that we're prioritizing water and wastewater high enough
3: on no, our no. lists? Yeah, no
2: way.
0: No, I would agree with that.
2: Yeah. But, and, and even in the wrong places, I mean, like I said, I think, I think people see the answer as just having bigger pots of money. And that's not mm-hmm. the answer we need to be investing in people and communities and they like, say oversight and right. making sure it's, that everything i mean even I like it's funny because you know today a wastewater treatment plant operator is so mm-hmm. underpaid i mean people right. don't realize that you know in the in the community that might be one of the most important and complex jobs these days mm-hmm. is operating the wastewater plant
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you know we, we of course we hear you know, and rightfully so, we hear about teachers and police officers being underpaid. I can tell you that wastewater treatment plant operators are right in that category. As in,
3: mm-hmm.
2: in small rural communities especially, they're just not paid for the responsibility and the knowledge. And right. so accordingly, you don't see a lot of people wanting to become wastewater treatment plant operators.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a major culture shift, yeah. right, that, that we all have to engage in, fully understand what the impacts are. Of us not doing it, and mm. and what's required for us to really prioritize water and wastewater.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Like you're saying, I think it's one of those things that until people actually experience not having it, there that's not going to go up their priority list. It's one of those things that when people finally are inconvenienced enough because they can't flush their toilet, the pain you know, they point don't that, have, yeah, they don't have like Flint, Michigan. They don't have clean drinking water, that right. kind of thing. It's not going to get addressed, and yeah. I think Uh, education is is one of the avenues we go about doing that. Yeah. We spend a lot of time talking about it and there are other people that do too, but I think it's just one of those things that until people actually experience the pain of not having it. Yeah.
0: I greatly enjoy showers and drinking water. So I'm really (laughs) hoping that we don't have to get quite to that point where we don't (laughs) have it before people start paying attention.
2: exactly. When it's the, you know, it's the out of of sight, out of mind mentality and Right. right. When you draw parallels to, you know, other things, I mean, it, the way we operate our water and wastewater systems, like you said, Sean, is that we don't worry about it until the day you can't flush a toilet or there's a big spill in the middle of your, in front of your house. And then, of course, right. you're, up, you know, you're, you're concerned. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if we, if we did that in other things, like the car, if we just drove our car until the tires burned off it. Right. You know, we have we have nobody to be upset at except ourselves. And that's the way right. wastewater is we ignore the the things that are happening underground until they they fail. And it's mm-hmm.
0: I think people ignore a lot of things, like even leaky toilets.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Like yeah. people will have a leaky toilet or a leaky faucet. It I I can't stay. We had two leaky toilets over a two week period, like both of the little stopper things went bad for some reason. And It drew. I was like, no, it needs to be fixed now. Like, I can't listen to that water run. Like, because all I hear is clean water running out of the house for no reason.
2: So, do you happen have a? What do you think the average lost water, leaked water in a household is in the United States?
0: Oh gosh, I don't even know what that number is, and I'm afraid to ask.
2: Nine hundred or nine thousand four hundred gallons a year per household in the United States.
0: That's just insane.
2: It's equivalent to three hundred loads of laundry yeah <laughs> and that's just water that you weren't that you lost that you paid for, you weren't able to use, mm-hmm. and ended up in the wastewater system, yeah mm-hmm. you
0: didn't even think about yeah gosh, all right, so let's wrap it up. So what is your hope for wastewater in the next ten years?
2: I think we we really need to address all the shortcomings right now and and bring the right people to the table to talk about it i I feel like we're in this place right now where you know, everybody complains that we need to be more innovative and and being somebody in industry the innovation is there it's being quelched by society and regulations and and I'm not suggesting we don't have to, we don't need regulation we just need forums to bring that stuff to the table and then and then discuss mechanisms to get it in place mm-hmm. you know and I guess speaking personally we offer we offer trainings we offer to to come to regulators offices all the time and the answer mm-hmm. we often get is well you're a vendor and we we really can't talk to you and it's like well how do you regulate us then <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> how right. do you understand what we do and right. somehow it has to get past you know our case or other vendors that do innovative things there needs to be a place for us to to make sure that the this knowledge that we have gets out there in you know, the colleges i joke joke about this but it's not joking matter is i am only aware of two college curriculums in the country that teach the technology that we provide to the state we've been around for 40 right. years you know and so we all have ownership in this and how how do people learn how do people accept what's being done and and mm-hmm. make sure that it's being done in the right places to you know, to protect the water and for, you know, because that's that's what's motivating us, and I I just I want to see that motivation get past us into more engineers and into more regulators. Yeah. And do
1: you think this is a matter of just us just being more strategic? I say us as an industry being more strategic in the partnerships we form, or how do, I think, you, how do you see that?
0: I think it's all about education, yeah. and not just education at the college level, but I think that we have to continue to open up these conversations in highly publicized platforms mm-hmm. and continue to talk about them. Cause it's not, I, I don't think we can rely on one stream of education or just even one industry. Right. You know, we have to talk about this as an entire society out outside of wastewater.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I've often thought, you know, and you look at our knowledge base and our, not that the engineers drive what Oranco does. We have lots of mm-hmm. people that do that, but we have a lot of engineers. And and when you kind of go down the line of what their disciplines were, you'll find you know that there's mechanical engineers, there's civil engineers, right. and but universally, regardless of what discipline you went to school for, most people haven't taken a lot of wastewater courses. They no. take one or two, and yet we landed in this profession and we learned most of what we do built on what we knew, but we really learned it in the industry and you know i think the time has come actually to have engineers that are specialized in water and wastewater and make sure that they're exposed to all the options properly and the costs and, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a challenge out there for you know the colleges just kind of maybe the time has come to really create you know a water wastewater specific engineering designation and it's i think in,
0: you know when we spoke to the engineers we spoke to some of our junior engineers a couple of weeks ago and when we did, one of the things we found is the ones that had classes that did talk about water and wastewater, they were the environmental engineers. Mm-hmm. So not the civil, civic, or civil engineers, not the mechanical, mechanical definitely right. not the electrical, right. but it was the environmental engineers that even had any curriculum that it contained mm-hmm. water and wastewater.
1: Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Before I joined Renco, the only experience I had or the only exposure I had to anything having to do with wastewater was the fact that my grandmother had a septic tank in her front yard. Yeah. <laughs> that was all I knew. And yeah. even we didn't even pay attention to that until the day that it had to be pumped. Really. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know it was there because well, she had the tank buried too, with the access lid buried too. You yeah. Get to it, but which is super common. I know. I know. in a lot of the country that's yeah. where we operate, but you know, as just as a member of the general public, that was the only exposure I even had to it. I didn't even know it really existed as a thing because you just don't think about it. And I think a lot of the country is in the same boat because it's not something that's brought up. It's not something that they are taught about. It's Mm -hmm. not something that is discussed typically. Mm -hmm. And I think until that changes and people have at least a passing knowledge of that kind of technology that we aren't going to see huge strides in, in that area. I mean, it's just, yeah,
2: Well, so I remember one of my college projects was actually to design the infrastructure for a small community. At the time, obviously used gravity sewer and a lift station. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not lost on me that if I had that project thrown in front of me today, I would have blown that that professor's mind.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs)
0: You'd have been like, here, this is how you should do it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And we'll end up saving a community millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah
0: all right well great conversation mike happy earth day everybody earth day. all right thanks and thanks everybody for listening we want to thank you again for joining us today before you go don't forget to subscribe where you listen to podcasts so you're notified when new episodes are posted also you can leave your comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website www.orenko.com until next time have a great day